You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. On this week's episode, we'll be speaking with Guy Balsadet, who's the co-founder and CEO at Simple. And we're going to be covering all things game economy related for free-to-play games. Guy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. So, so before we dive in, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Simple. What do you guys actually do? So basically, Simple uh, is a data and a simulation uh, company. We're building uh, a platform uh, which uh, provide two major outputs. The first one is a predictive and, and a lifetime value. Uh, and the thing that is unique about the platform is that we are doing this uh, based on in-game simulation. And, and you've actually been in, in BI and analytics for more than a decade uh, in various different verticals, including a stint at Playtica uh, before you found it simple. What, what came first, your love for data or your love of gaming? So it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's a good one. Uh, I started my journey as an analyst, uh, like data analytics. Uh, and for the next few years, I spent like teaching and building intelligence platforms from, from scratch. Uh, and then a few years later, I joined into the gaming space and suddenly everything was like connected and everything was like self-explanatory for me. How, how exactly kind of did the idea to develop Simple arise? So after when I started my entrepreneurship path, uh, I looked for places when I can bring all my expertise, like my knowledge and the thing I love to do. Uh, and after a few things that were actually not related at all to gaming space, I, when I started that work with, uh, with game companies, uh, mostly helping them to understand the difference between big data and the right data. Uh, and I found out that no matter who, which company I'm talking to, big ones or small ones, actually, when you're cleaning all the noises around, they're all, the, the pains are always the same. It's the way you, companies are observer, observing the data, you know, eliminating the, the unnecessary insight and like being focusing on what it matters. In many cases, uh, this is like the, one of the biggest problems, uh, looking on the right data. After that, you realize that Monetization is highly dependent on a well-balanced game. And then I look back to the to my path and I understand that every time you want to change something in, in the game economy, it's something so sensitive and long, most of the time it is based on intuition, guesstimation, or over long, expensive, risky A-B tests, which requires, you know, spend a lot of marketing budget on to get significant amount of users. Uh, and if you want to see an improvement over 90 days, you actually have to wait this time. And I thought, oh, this is a time for, time for something different. And this is, I, I built on my, on my garage a small simulation engine, which can simulate users. I show it to my customers that I had back then. It was, they were really fascinating about it. And that's it. And the rest is history. Uh-huh. So um, I'm glad you kind of brought up monetization mm -hmm. um, because we are here to talk about um, economies for free-to-play games. Mm -hmm. So let's maybe start by reviewing some simple kind of the, oh, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> reviewing the basic or simple terms. Uh, can you walk us through what resources, um, structures, actions, and sinks and sources are? 
So obviously, when a player starts to play the game, the, we offer him something to start with to, because we want to engage him into the, into the game and, and let him uh, be excited of, of playing. Um, and, and every place when we're offering some kind of a free uh, currency, this has, these are the resources. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we do want the user to consume this currency and, and at some point bring him, bring him to the point uh, that if he want to scale his capabilities, if he want to make just another try in the game, doesn't matter if this is a racing card game, uh, a slot game, uh, he want to make uh, the next big thing and this is where he maybe doesn't have enough uh, resources. Hopefully, if the game was well balanced, uh, this point happens and the monetization appears. Uh, the way we're looking at it, the monetization happens when a need and an opportunity meet. Uh, um, the game economy need to create the, the need. The user want to play, to, to race one more, to play another session in Fortnite. But if you want to scale up your car, if you want to have a faster airplane, you need to buy it, or literally buy it, a faster airplane to, to win the next battle. Um, and he, this is where the monetization work come in and should provide the, the, the opportunity. Listen, right, right, right now we have a 40% discount on the airplane you need in order to win the next battle. So um, a dual currency economy, meaning both real money and virtual currency, is, is obviously the, the most common strategy for free-to-play games. What are, to, to your mind, the disadvantages and advantages to each? And, and are there other kind of economic structures which you see succeeding? So obviously, having a multiple currency economy is more complex than having a single one. Um, so back a few years ago, it wasn't very common to have multiple currency. And when Zynga launched Farmville on Facebook, I think it was 2008, and back then, and suddenly we, we could have play, we could have, uh, I think they, they were selling like coins, which we could boost uh, our field. Uh, and it was very simple. But then I think we, under, we understood that if we want to monetize, somehow we need to blur in some cases the movement between an actual payment um, and the currency. And one of them is the, is the soft currency and the other one is the hard currency. Uh, usually the monetization uh, will be done for the hard currency and the soft currency is something that we are uh, converting in order to open ourselves uh, all kind of root boxes and uh, all kind of features. Is is the idea is the idea to make kind of soft currency a gateway? Oh, this is going to sound a bit tough, but kind of like a gateway to uh, hard currency. You can say so. It's it's some kind of not cre creating the direct connection between an actual payment, uh, which is you know most of the users actually don't pay. Uh, but it, it's also part of the mechanism to add interest uh, and to add traction to the game because if you, let's say, you, you, uh, you earn every, every time you win a race, you earn 100 coins. Uh, but then we say, listen, for every 1,000 coins, you can get yourself um, one shield. Once you're, having, once you're having four shields, basically you can open yourself a new car. It's giving you another mechanism uh, which in one hand, help you to, engage, uh, to increase the engagement of users, creating another bridge, and, uh, another milestone to achieve, but it also helps us in monetization aspect because uh, create another layer which we can help, which we can use to, uh, to monetize users.
And, and how significantly does the game economy factor into the success of free-to-play games? Is it everything? <laughs> so you, we can create a very well-balanced game economy structure to a game which, with a purpose to move uh, you know, uh, a concrete bucket from the one side to the other side. Uh, so maybe the economy will be perfect, but the game will be probably boring. So it's not like the economy is everything, but we can see so many games out there which are well which, which sorry, which are well designed. Uh, like the, the animation is perfect, the visualization is perfect, the sound is good, but actually the user don't have any incentive or any need for purchase. So like they, they always win and progressing very very fast. Um, you know the game is too difficult, the frustration level is too high, and then uh, churn is probably high. So I would say it's like 50% for each one of them, product and economy. The way we're looking at it, so firstly, game must have a story, which doesn't relate like initially to the economy. The game designer need what need to define what is the high level goal of the game? Is this like winning a race? Is this like taking the taking over the world? This is like planting an agricultural farm, whatever. Uh, he need to create create and define product goals. For example, we want to convert users in average on after uh, three days, maybe, and we expect that to happen on a specific level. Once you have this product roadmap uh, defined, the economy has to justify it. It, is, it need to provide enough currency for users to reach the third day. It has to give them enough currency on the, on the expectancy to reach level 20, if we want that to be the, uh, the conversion point, not to give too much, not to give too less, and it has to be highly attached to the product roadmap. Mm -hmm. So let's let's move on to talking about data. You, you talked earlier about the difference between big data and the right data, was it? Um, and, and obviously today it's, it's easier than ever to collect huge amounts of data um, and probably will continue to get easier but more is not always necessarily better. Um, so with all, the, with all the data that's available, how do you sort of um, choose what's most relevant to track um, and look at when, when kind of building or balancing a game economy? Okay, it's a very good question. Um, you know, as, as technology has been evolved during the past, the past years, it's become easy to simply send every Time the user is blinking, sending an event, uh, an event to our database, finishing the days, finish every day with hundred users and uh, one gigabyte of uh, of data, uh, and it makes everything slower. I think that the, the smart move is first to define what are the the precise KPIs that help us take a better decision uh, every day and help us to take decision if we want to change or add something to the game. Um, there is like a standard daily KPIs, which I don't know, 10, 15 major uh, metrics, uh, which will help us understand every day. Uh, I would call it the analytical funnel. Do we have a problem? Yes or no? The trend of the major KPIs, are they increasing or decreasing? And by the way, a sharp increase and a sudden increase on revenues for me is the same problem as a, as a sharp decrease. If we don't know how to explain a sudden increase, we won't be able to explain and understand a sudden decrease. Uh, and having the ability to quickly identify these data points, I think it's the basic. Then the, the, the second question is, where, where uh, is the problem? 
And where is the problem? Is the problem is also a simple one because it's only taking the main APIs we defined and simply slice them. We can slice it by obvious um, obvious uh, attributes like countries, platforms, whatever, or segments of user. And I think the more interesting question is what is the problem? Because once we know how to understand the phenomenon we see in data, it will be easier for us uh, to give the solution. Uh, so the right metrics is the key to make sure that we are moving fast. Uh, we are leading uh, a data unit in a, in a game company and very fast we try to build uh, big data and everything. And, 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 and I've learned that, especially on the early age of, of startups and, and game companies, you have to be very concrete. Select the right data, select the correct metrics that help the, all the departments take better decision and move, move, move with that. Keep the big data for later stage. Mm -hmm. are, are there specific metrics, like one or two, that you think a developer should be looking at first? So for me, retention goes first. I think retention, if users don't like the game, they will not retain. If they will not retain, it will not monetize. We can also extract from that how many plays, how many days users will play on the expectancy. Uh, it has a direct effect on the way we are structuring the economy. Um, obviously, users who pay uh, generating different retention curve, and obviously, it's also one of the things we need to understand when uh, we're structuring uh, the shop inside the game and when we're structuring all kind of the live ops uh, protocols. So I would say retention goes first. Uh, conversion goes second, and once we're uh, talking uh, about th these two, we can understand how good the game uh, is talking to our players. And in talking kind of about how do you tackle uh, leveraging or using data in an efficient way versus just a, a big way, um, which departments within a, a given game studio need to be looking at this data? Is it everyone um, or is it sort of mainly product um, and, and monetization guys? So I think that this, beside maybe the HR department, uh, <laughs> every, everybody should look. No, no data for you. But I think everybody, because even if for a second we're putting the economy on the side, um, th this is a game, a data-based uh, industry. Uh, our marketing team simply actually acquiring users that are, on, I think they're on the biggest budget in an average game company or the biggest spend because they need to acquire users and basically create uh, the volume inside the game. But once they're bringing the users into the game, we're starting to talk about LTV and ROI uh, and what makes users to retain and pay is product. So our product department obviously need to understand deeply the way users are consuming features inside. Uh, where are the churn point? Where are the monetization point? Where are the, uh, where are the strong point? What, what kind of content uh, is more relevant for each specific cohort of users? Uh, we have the live ops team, which obviously um, work directly with the product. And you know, I heard some someone told me before that you know, free-to-play games is like a advertising agency on steroids because every day something happens. Every day, every day there is an event inside the game. We, we want to, we try to make a party every time, bring the user back inside the game. 
Uh, and obviously there is the, the economy, the game economy team who basically need to some kind of maneuver between all of them, make sure that we are, when we are releasing a new feature, we're not cannibalizing other features. Um, you know, when observing the, the, uh, the data on the right way is the key to understand that. So for me, everybody, even the, even like the, even DevOps has a critical uh, uh, data requirements because they need to monitor the game on heartbeat on almost every minute. I'm saying games in some manner are, is like a live organism. Every minute something can happen. It can be something amazing and it can be something devastating. Think about a game who is generating hundreds of thousands of dollars every day. Every minute counts. So DevOps is important. Data is relevant for every unit in the, in the, in the company. Except HR. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can rethink that. Maybe we can find that. I'm sure. I'm sure. And and how do you sort of make sure that people can access this data and access it in a way that's digestible and and kind of comprehensible? Not everyone is an analyst, right? By by training or by nature. Um, so kind of how do you make that data easy to to access and understand? So I think first is like it's more like an, an organizational culture. Uh, it creates a, a, like a common language, everybody talking the same KPIs, uh, hopefully using the same data systems because, you know, it's easy to get, you know, you get some dashboard from Facebook, you get some dashboard from Google, you get some dashboard from this analytics and that, and suddenly you're sitting like in an enterprise cabin with uh, five different dashboards, each one of them has a... Uh, 10 to 15% deviation on the same metrics, and then you need to take a decision and say, okay, so how the hell am I going to do that? Uh, I think the basic is making sure that the product team is looking and talking on the same numbers that the marketing team are familiar with. Uh, and this is something that is highly spoken almost, I think, not almost every day. Uh, this is when we're starting to create a, a culture of data talking company. Not everybody is like focusing on his uh, on his niche, but talking the high level KPIs, making sure that everybody uh, are aligned. I think it making the, a lot of processes easier. It create uh, a mutual conversation. Uh, all of them are impacting the economy, and, and, and it's bringing the probability uh, to make uh, things right and reduce this, the the risk factor. Talk to me about funnel reporting. Uh, when should it be used? By whom and why? So funnel reporting is, is you know, in some manner, it's something that uh, everybody are, is talking about it. Uh, we can define a funnel in, you know, user are clicking the buy button, and then we what is the funnel until they are completing and making a purchase. Uh, every space in the game basically create a funnel. I think that the, the the beauty in defining a funnel uh, is not making a very long funnel. It's like breaking this into small points, registration, open the shop, purchase, and maybe starting a new tournament or a new, some all kind of features, and then see where is the biggest uh, dropping point, product, visualization, text, uh, and something, we, you know, sometimes we're not offering uh, attractive enough uh, offering. We can suggest the user to participate in a tournament, but maybe the, the rewarding is not attractive enough and users say, okay, 
the probability for me to win is not high and the reward is not attractive enough, so I'll pass that. Um, I think this this what makes a funnel analysis uh, a good one. Uh, looking like a, a long arrows with ups and downs, I think it's confusing. And I think funnel analysis definitions start with proper a data structure definition, what are the events we want to put in each funnel, and then it, will, it makes all the analysis afterwards much easier. Mm -hmm. And I want to sort of jump to talking about balancing the game economy, um, which we've, we've kind of mentioned quite often. What do, we, what do we mean by balancing your game economy? Okay, so talking about basically the term balance for me, is balancing between few factors. It's balancing between winning and losing, um, um, free-to-play time, pay-to-play play, uh, pay to play time, uh, frustration and satisfaction. I mean, every time and at every point in the game, we need to balance between the two. Now, psycho psychological side, uh, we do understand that users do not expect to win all the time. Uh, so this is definitely something we want to balance. Um, I think the key in balance in well-balanced game economy is the balancing between how much a uh, user need to invest at each point and how much we're offering to reward, uh, assuming not all users will be reward, rewarded for everything. Uh, and I think uh, this is the key. Balance is not a single number. A hundred uh, coins is something that, or let's say hundred is small, but let's say a million coins can be something which is hyperinflated for some users, which consume on average only 1,000 coins per day, but it can be nothing for a user who play for billions. So I think that's a smart definition for balance is, is very important when we are observing the health of the economy. Uh, it's obviously changed between different profiles and different uh, points on the, on, uh, on the user journey uh, inside the game. Uh, and this is not something that can be uh, generalized, especially if we wanted to use it uh, efficiently. Um, I'm saying that a basic game economy will be structured for th from three main objects. The first one is the way and the pace that users are progressing inside the game, like the basic progression mechanism. Uh, and the second one would be all the features inside the game and the way they are configured. And the third one will be the shop or the way they are users a place where users can actually buy uh, currency. A balanced game is generated when there is a one or two multipliers which are connecting between these three objects and making sure that as long as we are progressing inside the game, we're able to consume a higher level of currency and making sure that the shop is adjust for that and the, and, 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 and the features in the game are, are, are adjust for that. So everything is progressing on level and this is how we are avoid uh, inflation or uh, deflation and which leads to you know to some kind of frustration for users that they don't have enough currency to make the minimum uh, inside the game and what are some of the common mistakes you see developers make when they're trying to balance their game economy well the first time is not using and not reading and not analyzing the right data i think this is the key point if we, before making any change in the economy, I think the best practice is first to understand what are the problems and making the best and the most accurate definition for, for balancing. What does it mean that the game is not balanced? 
Um, maybe we are giving a, a resource of coins which is too frequent and give us too hot, too much coins, uh, which are which are you know give us too much free to play time. Uh, I think this is one uh, one aspect. And uh, the, the second one, obviously, is is guesstimating, maybe taking decisions without you know just by hunch. You know, every once in a while, you encounter someone who says, "Listen, I want to do what they do exactly the same. I'm just going to copy that." But in many cases, that doesn't. This simply doesn't work. Every game has its own story. Simply copy, in many cases, is not the key to make uh, a very successful game. You need to create and keep the innovation side and tailor the economy to the way you want to structure the game. I think this is the key. And what are some of the best practices for balancing between IAPs and ads? So it's a it's it's a good question. So in high level, I would say. When you lost or your statistics shows that from this point or from a point in time inside the game, the probability to convert the users becoming so low, this is the time to start to showing ads. If we understand that the user or a cohort of users is likely to pay, the potential and the, and the predictive lifetime value of this cohort of users is much higher than an ads-based. Uh, however, I believe that the, the, all the ads mechanism was born in order to not losing the monetization potential for the 95% of users who will never pay. And it's become some kind of a known practice that if you're not paying inside the game, you'll probably see ads. So does that mean that you don't show any ads before that point? If this is an in-a-purchase base games, uh, I would prefer to monetize through in because the, 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 the actual monetization is higher, the potential. When there is the probability become lower, well, let's start to monetize through ads. If this is the, if if uh, in a purchase is uh, is not the, 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 the mostly in hyper casual games, uh, where, when we're when the game is kind of uh, flat and a progression is limited, so this is where the the, the ads is more is more uh, dominant. On ads based game. The, the the majority the, the major effort is simply retain games uh, retain users as much as we are retaining the users we are increasing the probability to expose them to more ads uh, when we're talking about lifetime value prediction model for in purchases we're talking about retention and conversion and uh, pure monetization aspects so in some manner this is more complex but the potential and the, and the, and the user lifetime value are, are mostly much higher. And speaking of player progression, how can developers use the economy to influence player progression? When we're observing user journey, uh, it has three major uh, access. It has the time, you know, time from install, from installation until any point. There is the game progression, and, and there is the monetization progression, like three three dimensional access. Uh, when the game is well balanced, so we will hope to see like some kind of a linear. A linear line means that as long as time passes, the user is progressing more inside the game, and as a result of that, he starts to progressing on on, the, on his monetization aspect. So the economy, when the economy steps in, uh, it basically at the beginning it may be offering a, a more you know, like an easy experience, giving the user the time to engage, giving them him the opportunity to success and progress, expose him to evolving more complex content. Uh, every level, every time you want to pass a level, it will take you more and more time. Um, 
obviously when achieving all kind of, uh, of missions, it will reward them higher, but they will need to spend more time. By the way, user are investing in, uh, in the game, not only by money, but also by time. And they are expecting to see ever increasing value for their investment. So I think this is how we can affect that by the economy. To, to sort of to finish on a maybe, a, I don't know if it's controversial, but maybe a, a slightly higher level question. Do you ever find that the kind of the game economy contradicts um, or conflicts with the product strategy? Yes, and when that happens, we have a problem. Um, <laughs> they, they need to work. Let's, let's look at uh, this. On average, secondary retention is uh, like 40%. This is uh, like a solid game. Uh, it means that half, uh, out of 100 users we, we put inside the game, only 40 will play from the second day. Uh, it means that the conversion point, which we are, uh, let's say, 4 to 5%, only 5 half out of the 100 we, which were initially stepped into the game will ever pay. So as long as time passed, the probability to have, uh, or the amount of users that we have as a potential to convert to paying users, becoming lower and lower and lower. Um, the conversion point is varying between different game genres. The casino genre are more aggressive on this aspect. Casual games have more, have more time converting later. Um, but as I mentioned before, this product map or this product roadmap has to be aligned with the economy because the economy need to give the user the, enough fuel in order to reach the point the product wanting to be. If I want the user to reach level 11 on my on the first day, I need to give him enough currency either when as a start pack or on every time he winning a mission on every time when he is leveling up. If that will be too narrow and too flat, he will not reach that point. Maybe he will not be engaged enough. So obviously he will not be retaining for the next day and maybe will not be even engaged enough to pay ever. So be very very aligned uh, but this is what gives us the playground to optimize this process all the time and every time we're changing something inside the game we need to make sure that we're doing it right mm -hmm. i like that game economy is the fuel well that uh that we've run out of time um, but like i have this feeling like we could continue going forever um thank <laughs> you very much for being with us today guy it's been a super interesting interesting episode um with i think a lot to take away everyone else thanks for listening and see you next episode for more experts talking all things game related thank you very much